Welcome to another episode of Morning Coffee with your host, Rick Alexander. I started this show to talk about all of the interesting, complex, paradoxical, and sometimes uncomfortable aspects of the human experience. If you get anything from this show, the greatest compliment you could give me is to share this show with somebody that you think the message may resonate with or to head to iTunes and give us a five-star review. Additionally, if you want to interact with me, you can follow me at rickalexander underscore on Instagram. Without further ado, on to the show. to another episode of Morning Coffee with your host, Rick Alexander. My guest today is author Alex Starr. He wrote a book called Rewrite the Rules, An Unconventional Way to Build an Intentional Life. And I'm about three quarters of the way through this book right now. I'm excited to dive into the concepts and and the reasons for writing the book. But first, I just want to say, Alex, thanks for joining me. Dude, yeah. Thanks for having me on, Rick. I'm stoked. Yeah, of course. And you were just talking about some of your success with writing this book. You just released it in January. Um, yeah, end of January. I'm curious, uh, as an author, what is it that made you want to write this book? And I say that just for people listening to this, when you write a book, you're going to have to face a lot of things in yourself. Like it's not, it, it might start off easy, even if the words are flowing, but there's eventually you're going to start reaching the resistance, right? There's a lot of psychological resistance. So what I, I'm curious about why you decided to write the book. And I think I'm more curious about why you decided to keep going once it got really hard. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cause yours, you have a ambitious, ambitious heartache. What, what's it called? Ambitious, ambitious heroes and heartache. Ambitious right. heroes and heartache. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So you, uh, yeah, you know, the journey very intimately by now. Um, yeah, man. I mean, a book starts as an idea, right? It's like this concept of these things that you feel like not, not that, not that you want to get out in the world sometimes, but that you need to get out into the world mm -hmm. in, in through like the lessons that you've had. So I had always, I'm a, I'm a huge reader. I always, I, I've always been a writer and there's always kind of on, on my bucket list for lack of a more inspiring thing. It was just something I knew I wanted to do eventually. Mm -hmm. And uh, this book manifested itself from, yeah, just the kind of the story that I took after college when I started doing wildland firefighting, when I, I hopped into, a, you know, all my friends after college were getting a, a job and I just went a different path and I joined that, you know, domestic Peace Corps called AmeriCorps and jumped into wildland firefighting after that. And just, I, I, I left that kind of more stable world behind and I had a lot of people kind of reaching out to me about that of like, how did you do that? Or like, I feel really stuck with where I'm at. My family wants me to do certain things. I'm in this job and other people's lives are always so much easier to dissect, right? When it's our life, it's like, we're in the weeds. There's totally. no seeing out of them. Yeah. You know, and then when it's someone else's life, you can just be like, dude, just, you don't have a kid. You don't have a girlfriend. Just quit. How much money do you have saved up? 10 grand. Then just quit, man. It'll last you how long? Four months. You can find something else. It'll be fine. And there's things like that, that people, we all just get so stuck in our perception of like our little narrow path that we have either taken on or given to us by society and all that, um, that through all the podcasts that I started doing while I was traveling South America and while I was firefighting and meeting all these amazing people doing all these different things and 
quitting jobs and Navy SEALs here and CEOs there and people living in a van and all these alternative viewpoints. I was just like, I have to put this all together in some type of cohesive format so that someone else could read it, pick it up. It was me at 23 when I'm deciding, should I get the stable job or should I take a chance and go fuck it? I'm going to take a chance. Hmm. Um, so that's kind of the summary of why, you know, like the inner why. Mm-hmm. Um, shit, man, what kept me going? That's a, a good question. Sometimes it was whiskey. Sometimes it was friends. <laughs> sometimes it was shrooms, depending yeah. on the day. Um, I know you're a fan of, of psychedelics too. And like, I mean, there were a couple of times that, yeah, I just like would, I would, you hit those roadblocks, man, right? You hit these like massive, da- just like compressed fear and doubt, you know, mm-hmm. about, um, it would alternate between this is going to, you're going to be a New York times bestseller. And then the next day, this is the biggest pile of shit I've ever seen in my life. People are going to laugh at you. This is a joke. Everyone's already heard this before. What's mm. even the point of doing this? Um, I mean, really pretty, pretty just like Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde or whatever. It would just flip flop between those two. But that um, is the, I, no, go ahead, man. What's that? No, I think that's that's the entrepreneurial path too, right? Like, yeah. Anytime you strike out on your own in some endeavor or project, you're you are going. You're sort of oscillating from I've inflated my ego enough to fucking do this, and then at the same time, like all of those narratives come rushing back in, and you you pendulum totally. swings back. Yeah. Yeah, because you have to have both, right? Like you have to you do have to have enough confidence without the confidence then becoming ego or, or mm-hmm. starting to at least they're kind of the same thing, but you have to like, hopefully you're acting more from confidence than from your ego, but then having enough ego to have enough confidence. (laughs) Yeah. And, and learning to like acknowledge the, the narratives without living them out too. Right. Dude. Yeah. That's like, did did that happen with your book? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Totally. Um, I, yeah, the, the journey was super long with that book and I, it's interesting because it it evolved so much and I didn't realize when I had started writing it that I would actually have to grow into the person capable of writing the ideas that I was reaching for. Um, And so there was a lot of just pain in sort of in my own internal growth and trying to embody those ideas as well. Interesting. Interesting. And like having, and being comfortable with like being the person that's putting those words out there. Totally. Right. Like not feeling like a fraud. Right. Yeah, dude. Yeah. That's pretty much exactly what happened to me over and over again was feeling like an imposter feeling like, you know, like old friends of mine are going to read this and think that it's cheesy or that, Oh, Alex is trying too hard. He's not trying enough. Yeah. A whole myriad of things. Right. And, um, I think for it, it really, for me, I don't know what your experience was like, but mine was the, uh, I had a really good community around me. And I had a really good couple of friends that were very close to me in the book writing process. One was my editor and very close friend and now business partner, Greg, who through those ups and downs, if it wasn't for him, the book probably wouldn't be out. Mm. And my fiance, cause they were able to just, when I, I remember one time, man, I called up Greg and I said, I'm just like, um, it's like the book is probably like three quarters of the way through. Right. And you're just hitting that point where like, you've done so much work on it. You still got a long ways to go you're, you're tired of seeing your own words. And the, totally. the weirdest part, right. Is like your words don't mean anything to you because you wrote them. And so they're not new to you. Right. So it's hard for you to look at them with fresh eyes. You're looking at them. Like, it's like, if you made pizza all day and then you went somewhere else 
and someone had pizza for the first time, but to you, you're like, it's just pizza. I, I, I've eaten pizza my whole life. It's not mm-hmm. that special. So it's very hard to be objective with your own words. So I called up Greg and I was like, dude, this, this book fucking sucks, man. Like it's terrible. Like these ideas aren't even fresh. I, I you know, I, I really don't even think that that's going to be anything. And then he just like listened for a second and he said something I'll never forget. He's just like, mm-hmm. Well, good. This is good. And I'm like, wow, what do you mean, man? Why is this good? And he's like, well, I've been waiting for you to hit this place. And I'm like, okay, Mr. Miyagi, what's what's up? And he's like, if you weren't feeling a lot of resistance to what you're writing, then you're probably not writing anything worth publishing and putting out anyway. Totally. If you were going through this whole process, nilly willy and feeling great about everything and never hitting those blocks, then you're probably writing just a bunch of vanilla bullshit and you wouldn't want to publish it anyway. Totally. So, yeah. And he's like, so keep writing, keep going and hung up the phone. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. And that's the difference between a pro, right. And, and the person that has a good idea for a book for 50 years, right. Is yeah. the, the person that like faces that resistance and then figures out a way to work through it anyway. And having a team around you is just massively beneficial. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating either. When I say that if I didn't have him and my fiance helping me with those moments, there's no way the book, there's no way to be out. No yeah. Way. Right. So the idea in the book is it's really this idea that we are given ways to live our lives, right? We're given paths. We're given what, what's considered to be conventional and that you have an opportunity by thinking deeper about your life and the problem to create the path that actually works for you. I'm curious when you were growing up, did you feel, did you feel pressured to go into a path that didn't feel authentic? Like what, what was it that like really pushed you to want to like go down this road? Um, yeah, I had a very, um, a very good upbringing and it was very, uh, for lack of a better word, it was basic. Mm -hmm. And I mean that in the best way possible. Like it's what every parent wants for their kids was middle class, you know, safe and supportive. We weren't taking vacations to Italy and, you know, driving fancy cars, but I was also never worried about where my food was coming from, my clothes, I had a loving and supportive household. It was all fantastic. But I think um, for me, I, it was that, especially when I got into college, you know, cause I only went to college because that's what you did after high school. Mm-hmm. And looking back now, I wasn't ready for college, man. I love learning, but I fucking hate school. Right. And, and I, uh, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I, you know what I mean? It was a waste, man. I was just chasing girls and drinking beer. It was, it was really a kind of a waste. And, um, I got really depressed throughout college, man. I got really, really was using alcohol to compensate for different things, to fill mm. these void in myself and total lack of purpose, total lack of direction. And, uh, I think towards the end of like my fifth year, cause it took me five years too much Keystone light. I think by the end of the fifth years, when, all this kind of caught up to me, like the, the, the structure and our parents just follow the best that they know to do within the confines of the system, right. Within the confines of where society's at right now, my parents are wonderful people, but that's what they did. Right. You go to high school, you go to college. When you, after you're done with college, you get us not even just a job. You hopefully get a stable job with health insurance and a 401k. Right. Right. And, um, and I, I just, I just was tired of that, man. I just, I just, I needed to, 
I think also a lot of people, I don't know, you know, your complete background of your childhood and stuff, but when you, when you've had so much, you know, if you grew up in a very volatile household, a lot of time you, you live your life chasing stability. And I think because I had so much stability, all of a sudden I wanted to chase volatility and risk mm. and also like give back and like feel fucking useful instead of just drinking Bud Light and chasing girls and doing these bullshit classes. I want to feel useful. I want to have like a purpose. I wanted to, I just wanted to see what else was out there, man, and see if I could rely on myself to make it happen. And so it was, it was that man, it was college. <laughs> Ironically, that made me like, I'm just not feeling the whole path that has been dictated. Mm -hmm. I got to go see if this other path works or not, because the other side's always waiting for it. That's the thing. Other thing too, I always remember, you know, like me and you right now, we could go get another, we could get a nine to five job if we wanted to. Totally. Like, those aren't going anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's important to recognize when you're starting to step away from the path. It's like the path isn't going anywhere. And that, yeah. that was at least yeah. how I, in my own mind, when I was like leaving the military, I was like, okay, I have these options for what I could do. The way that I could justify going to do what I wanted is like, well, if it doesn't work out, I at least know what this path looks like. And then once I stepped away and realized like, oh, I'm not going back. Like there's just not going to happen, right? Like yeah. I'm unemployable and I'm not into it. Um, yeah. But it did give me the confidence to step away. And I think that's important to recognize. To like mentally have the safety net there. Yeah. So to speak, like, I mean, yeah. the rat race is always hiring. People need yeah. cogs, right? I mean, it is what it is. Dude. We, that might have to be a t-shirt. I don't know if that's like a tagline that you have said before, if you just thought of that right now. Uh, no, I've said that's it before. That's a really good one. Yeah. Oh, you've said it before. Yeah, okay. I've said it before. Yeah. That's but, awesome. The but it is, is important. To, yeah. Right. Yeah. It's important to get your mind around. And I also want to mention something else that you brought up, which is when you're looking at somebody else's life, like you can see how easy it is for them to pivot if they're unhappy. And I think this is something that I'm really interested in because it's never, you know, it's rarely ever something in the world that's stopping us from going in the direction that makes us feel the most alive, mm -hmm. you know, except about a thousand thoughts a day that tell us that we can't. Mm -hmm. And so I'm wondering for you, what's the process of actually working through that? Or did you not have those thoughts, those oh, no, limiting I, thoughts? I still have them all the time, man. Yeah. I, sure. I, I had the, I, with the business I'm starting, I realized last night in the shower, which is where I have a lot of thoughts. <laughs> it's uh -huh. like, is like, uh, man, I'm still like keeping myself. Every time I think about the possibility with the business, I can hear the other side of my brain thinking of all the reasons how it can't happen and what might break and what might not work. Mm -hmm. I was thinking that last night in the shower. Um, I think uh, I, my process for like assessing risk is... Um, in fact, I, I I just went through I just went through this exact same process with with my fiance last night actually because she just quit her job two days ago, put in her two month notice. Basically, she wants to start getting into real estate here in Austin, and um, she was having a lot of these fears about lack of stability. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, well, if I'm leaving this, what are we gonna do? There were so many emotions tied to it. So we actually went through this process. For the thing that helps for me a lot is I just like to write shit out. Whether if it's something that you have to make a decision. And I like to just map out, first of all, what are the fears that I'm coming up against, you know? Mm -hmm. So in this case, for instance, it was financial concerns, right? She was thinking, well, what if I don't sell a house for a year? What if this, what are we going to do with this? How, how are we going to put, 
how are we going to pay, you know, our, our rent and stuff like that. So, um, we sat down last night and we wrote everything out, you know, first of all, it was like, what, what are the, what's the main thing that you're scared of right now? Right. That's the biggest question. It's like, what, what is actually scaring you mm -hmm. that I won't have enough money to make it. Right. And that's, I think a lot of times what it comes down to is really just finances. Totally. So a lot of times, totally. a lot of, it, yeah. Right. Sometimes it's like, I don't want to go talk to the pretty girl at the bar because I'm scared of projection, but a lot of times in our modern society, making that big move with your, making that move across the city or across the country might be because you might not be able to make any new friends that you're worried about. You might, you're scared of sitting there alone on a Friday night. Right. And then mm -hmm. it's just like, well, what could you do to slightly alleviate that? So that's your biggest fear. Well, um, I'm into volleyball. I guess I could join a volleyball club right now. So when I get there, I join that first week, I join Thursday, Friday and go play volleyball a couple of times and meet people. Mm -hmm. It's like little things like that. Our brain always makes it this huge fucking mess. And for me, writing it down and like what we did last night, we literally just wrote out how much money we have now. How much money does it cost us our expenses per month? Like going forward, how much of a runway do we have? How much do we have in savings? By the end of it, I, I was like, you don't have to sell. If you started right now, you don't have to sell a house for a year and we'll be fine. And once we did that, she giant weight off her shoulders. She was mm. like, oh, okay, awesome. And she just is like, I feel so much better about taking this plunge now and, and quitting. Like, I feel so much better. I, I can't believe that. I have so much you know, less stress now and feel good about the decision. So yeah, man, that's, that's how I do. I, I like to ride it out and, and see it, see it like upfront and personal instead of like, my brain will ruin it. If I let my brain go off on its tangents, I'm right. fucking done for. Right, right. Well, and also too, I think writing it down gives you some space and objectivity from it, right? Whereas when it's bouncing around your head, it's easy to identify with shitty thoughts that, oh that aren't God, yeah. serving you. Whereas when you see them separate from you and you see like, well, I wouldn't believe that or that's not that big of a deal. I don't know. Just I think there's something about the actual geospatial recognition that is helpful. Interesting. I've never thought about the the geospatial difference there in terms of because even I guess if you're speaking it, it's still like you. But as right. soon as you put it on paper, seeing it separate else, from you, it's something separate from you. Yeah. yeah. And it's also like, I guess, because we always are reading other people's thoughts and ideas. So maybe there's a piece to that, too, where it's like, oh, this is wait, someone has a fear about moving across the country because they're not going to make any friends. That's silly. Right, right. There's ways to meet people, you know? Right, right. Like that's, that's a, a point. It's a molehill, right? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Have you gone back and read your book? Oh, man, that's a complicated question, man. Have you? Uh, I, <laughs> I will flip it open to, and I'll yeah. read a paragraph to make sure I'm that person. Okay. 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 Yeah. I'm, yeah, I, I asked because I'm, yeah, I'm curious. I haven't asked other authors what they've done um, in our in our moments in our office all alone. What do we do with our book? You know? Yeah. Um, I do that too. I brow I don't. I have not read it cover to cover. I will pick up pieces of it depending on the page I pick it up on and the mood I'm in. I will either think once again, why isn't this on the New York Times bestseller? I am an amazing author. I am such a good writer. And then the next day I pick up a different piece and I go. Oh, Mm. I should have this sentence that why did I write that sentence that way? That should not be in here. I should have added this. This was a stupid part. So it depends on the day. Yeah. I yeah. I found that it makes a good, uh, it makes a good contemplation.
for the day. Like if I, if I open up my own work and, you know, part of it, I think part of the difficulty in writing a book at all is right now you have, it's not in stone, but it is down. It's, it's, it's semi-permanent, right? But you're evolving. Your thoughts are evolving. And so I think the hardest part for me is when I go back and read something and I'm like, ah, I think I understand that better now. And I would have said it better. Totally. Did you have that fear when you were going to publish the book? Yeah. Uh, what like fear? You evolving, like you evolving and your book staying the same? Yes, because I have a book that I wrote. Uh, I have a book called Burn Your Couch um, that I wrote before this one. And part of me was like, I should take that off of the market because I there's so much of it that's evolved in my personal belief system. And I'm I'm such a growth minded person that like very little about me stays the same from year to year, I guess. And so um, for me, it's, I've released revised editions of my books and that's been how I sleep at night. Yeah. That's how you, okay. Interesting. Interesting. Uh-huh. I had a, um, revised editions. I've never even thought about doing that before. That's a good point. Um, yeah, my, my, uh, editor, Greg, he told me something when I first started, I came to him with that fear and I said, I'm going to write this whole thing. And even by the time like, you finish the book, totally my opinions, right? Like your opinions are different than when you started the book or a new story came in or you got new perspective. And uh, I said, you know, I, I don't want to write the book because of that. And he said, oh, that's fine. Then you can just never have a book out in your life. Right. And just said it like that. He's like, yeah, just never put a book out then because that's always going to be the case. So what do you want to do? Uh-huh. <laughs> right. Okay, I'll write it. And so that's actually really in alignment with kind of what we're talking about, right? When people take on these, um, I love talking about the writing process. So if I'm not careful, the whole thing will go there. Um, but for people, that are, do, man. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. for people that are listening though, right? who are coming up again, they have their version of whatever writing a book is for them, the project, the thing that's out in front of them that they want to do. Right. And they're running into those narratives. It's kind of the same idea, like with your editor who said like, well, then you just won't be able to write it. You have to accept certain truths about, about this reality. And so accepting, I think at least for me, accepting some of my narratives and, but then again, realizing like, okay, but I am interested in going this direction. So I'm going to have to push through these and just sort of accepting that as kind of the price of admission. The price of admission. I, you brought up acceptance a couple times. I think that that is probably, now that you're talking about it, that's probably the key component to all this. Mm. Acceptance of yourself, acceptance of the process, acceptance of yes. thinking you're a piece of shit writer, acceptance of you probably thinking you're a little too good, acceptance of people leaving you bad reviews, all the above. Uh huh. Acceptance um, also of, um, you, how would I put this? Acceptance of actually just knowing that it's not going to look the way that it looks in your head, right? Like mm. part of, at least for me, like I get an idea of a book in my head or a picture or a project, but when you actually like transfer that idea to reality, she's just going to fall short of the like perfect picture in your head. First of all, cause you haven't done this very many times. Right. Yeah. And so sort of yeah. like accepting that disparity between what you want and what it's going to be, but like creating it anyway, that yeah. was also kind of an important part of my, in my journey. And not leaning towards perfection and not trying to make it perfect. Right, right. Because that's yeah. a trap in itself because that doesn't exist. So you'll you'll spend your whole yeah. life going in those circles. 
death. Yeah. And I know that, I mean, I know I have, I'm sure you have, have like, uh, been killed by perfectionism more times than I haven't. Right. Uh, right. Right. Constantly it's... trying to not do that. But yeah, a lot of times perfectionism will, the, the concept of perfectionism blanketed and hidden in resist, right. It's really resistance that mm -hmm. is, is making you stop, but it's like, put on it's putting on the perfectionist robe it's like oh no, no no i want to put it out there i just want it to be perfect it's like no alex you're just scared of putting it out there and using perfectionism as an excuse totally and like yeah. really getting to that place in yourself um well i guess that's growth right dude man yeah i mean i mean you tell me but something about putting the whole process of putting this book out of writing it, you know, they always say like, it's not, it's not the thing you did. It's like who you became as you did it. Mm -hmm. Um, and for me, like, yes, it's such a, I have such a different relationship with like the content. I even just, if I just post something on Instagram now or make some silly video on TikTok or whatever, some type of creative thing, there's so much less of a like attachment to what people are going to say and how they're going to perceive what I'm putting out there after going through this process, like night and day. It's unbelievable. The change mentally. Hmm. So it sounds like you've like learned not to put your identity in the book and in your projects. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll maybe if I get like five one-star reviews in a row and they call me a, you know, like yeah. a terrible writer and a terrible book, I might come back to you crying and saying something different, but um, yeah, I think just, just something about putting out this giant piece of you into the world and then waking up the next morning and nothing really changed mm. in terms of like there, I didn't, you know, like I still have the same friends. They didn't give a shit if the book was good or if it sucked. Right. Right. My family still loves me. What matters still matters. Yeah. What matters, dude. Yes, exactly. What matters still matters. Um, you got a lot of t-shirt quotes, by the way, I need to write these down. We got to get you a whole store. Um, yeah, what matters still matters, man. And so like, it just, it just gave me so much more permission to just be like, ah, oh, fuck it. I'm going to write this. I'm going to put this out here. Hmm. So I'd love to know, like you, you've talked about this process of growth and to me, this is right. So in the book, you actually talk about like becoming a wildland firefighter and like feeling actually like not up to the task on that first, like sort of hazing hike that was actually yeah. a pretty good story. Um, and, and so I'm curious, like, I think one of the best parts of taking on a project like this is it's going to force you to grow into the kind of person that can, do, that can do the project, right? Kind of something I've been talking about this whole interview. My cur uh, my question is what, what are some of the major things that you learned about yourself on this journey, on this path? Man. So, so many things, but I would say the, the, the kind of the core things are like one, nothing meaningful ever came easy mm -hmm. was a huge one for me. Cause I, I like to take the easy route if I can, you know, like I can make a million dollars in crypto tomorrow. I'd rather do that than, than work for it. I'll just go fuck off and write more books, you know, uh -huh. <laughs> like, right. but like, but a lot of that meaning came from like the whole process. Like you're talking about the ups and the downs and the valleys and the doubts and the fear and all that. And then, still pushing through. And like, that was a huge, a, a huge thing I learned is just the, the meaning in the struggle mm -hmm. and, um, and the creative pursuits. 
And then another thing I learned too is like how quickly time goes and how like I'm someone that a lot of times will you ever heard that saying where it's like, we always overestimate what we can get done in a day. We underestimate what you can get done in a year or two. Right. Totally. And this, this, this showed that to me. Mm. I always heard that saying. And I like most sayings that you hear as you grow up or whatever, it's like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get it for sure. But this, I, I lived that and doing a little bit writing. Sometimes I wrote a fucking sentence, man. Sometimes I just, that was all my goal for the next day was to write, sit down, write one sentence. And sometimes that's all I did because I had nothing else in me and I didn't want to write but I just wrote one sentence. And the next day I wrote a page. And the day after that, I wrote 10 sentences. And, but just sitting down and like consistently making myself do something, whether I wanted to or not, like that was a massive thing to like see, wow, there's so many other places in life I could just apply that, you know, and, and, and not, and not shine, leaning into the discomfort. And cause the end result is going to be, so much better. And now I'm sure you do too. Like you look back on these things as like some of the most fulfilling times of my life is like thinking about, Oh man, right. Like early morning, writing those couple pages and you click and like, Oh, I, it all comes together and you write these few sentences and it all starts to flow and you're uh -huh. in like that rhythm. And it's like some of the most beautiful moments of your life, but they wouldn't be there unless you forced yourself to do it. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's, yeah. Consistency is, is everything. Right. And, that in itself can be daunting, but that decision to show up for yourself and your project and your passion every day after day, whether or not the muse shows up, right? That's the important right. part. Right. Because a lot of times we sit there and wait. A lot, a lot of times you wait for the muse to show up and then you start writing. Yes. Right. You know, and instead, yeah, it's just, I don't know where that idea came into the world and into society and stuff, but like, that's just not how it works. Yeah, Stephen King in his book on writing talks about like, the muse is unpredictable, but I'm going to show up between nine and five and write so that that beautiful bitch knows where to find me, right? Yeah, <laughs> I think yeah. that he doesn't <laughs> say it that way, but, but I think that's what's important. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've heard a lot of, I've heard a lot of people talk about that book. Incredible book. Myself, the best book I've incredible. ever read on writing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Intro okay. I need to just get it. Yeah, I'm also into it because I grew up in the same town as Stephen King. So kind of like, you know, he oh, talks no about shit. his childhood and I'm like, oh, shit. Yeah, he's, he's from like, Maine, talking, right? Yeah. He's from Maine? Yeah. yeah. Well, I didn't know you were from there. That's a, that's my, it's a beautiful state in the summertime. I've been there in the summertime and it's beautiful. I don't know how it is in January. Stick with the summer. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, the reason why you moved to Colorado. <laughs> yeah, right. Colorado's like Maine, except like tolerable, right? Like the winters yeah. are nice here. We get a lot of sun. Yeah. It's like yeah. postcard winters here. Yeah. Um, okay. So I want to switch gears and talk a little bit about some of the content in the book. Cause this content, um, I think is really, really important specifically right now where we're at, right? Because a lot of people have been living by a rule book that got thrown out by the pandemic. Um, you know, a lot of people woke up to realize that the, the life, the plan they thought they were living just isn't reality anymore. Right? Things are changing. Um, I'm curious about what you think the pickle seeds are for most people, right? So <laughs> for the listener, actually, let's talk a little bit about the idea of the yeah. pickle seed first. The pickle seed is yeah, my opening story. And it basically was when I, I walked into a hardware store um, and I was way too old to still be thinking this thought, but I walked into a hardware store. I was probably 23 or something like that, 24. And I went there with the intention to 
to uh, buy pickle seeds so that I could plant pickle seeds so I could grow pickles and I to eat pickles. I like pickles. So I go to the guy and I ask him where the pickle seeds are. This guy at the counter in the middle of the afternoon. I, I, hey, sir, excuse me. Do you know where the pickle seeds are? The guy's face, like the way that he looked at me was like he, his mouth literally, I think, came down, like gave down. He's like, what? <laughs> Sorry, what? And I, then I was like, Sorry, what? Like, why are you saying what to my simple question? I'm su- like, am I in the wrong store? And he's like, uh, you, well, you can't, you can't buy pickle seeds. And I was like, oh, you guys are out of them. I just, you know, he says, and he's just like, he's like, no. And he's probably like 50 years old. You know, he's like, no, you know, he's like, you can buy cucumbers and you can pickle cucumbers. You can buy carrots and you can pickle carrots like kind of talking to me like that you know like Uh and i had no idea what the fuck he was talking about and i literally like in that moment realized that my entire life i thought that pickles were a vegetable that you planted and grew and then ate and pickle farmers put it in the pickle jar and that's what you did with pickles right um so yeah i think that the, the, the point of that story was that that's a very very small thing that got lodged in my subconscious that I accepted for reality, right? No one ever, no one ever changed my perspective on that. I, my whole life, I lived my whole life thinking that pickles were a vegetable. Mm-hmm. Funny, but it got me thinking like, well, hold on a second. If my whole, if my, I've been 23 fucking years and I didn't figure out that pickle seeds were a vegetable and nobody told me that pickle seeds were, were not a vegetable that <laughs> you just grew, then what else in my mind, what other things are going on? that we take in as reality that are not. So, I mean, back to, yeah, your, your question, like, I think, I think most things people on do are pickle seeds. Like, I, I mean, we could get into a whole thing about like the structure of society, but like, it's, this is all fabricated to a certain extent, right? We just, I talk about in the book, like we just happen to be present in this one sliver in time, this one society um, in this specific culture, you know? And so, the, the potential for, as a human, the things that you can do and the way you can set up your life and the way you can set up communities is a never-ending, um, it's, it's just a never-ending universe. And so we just happen to be in this one little sliver of it. And um, so I think a, a lot of the main, to bring it back down to earth though, I think a lot of pickle seeds people take on is like, that they have to be, you have to be in a relationship by a certain age. Mm-hmm. Or that you should be single at certain ages, that you have to go to college, um, the amount of money that you need to make. Um, you know, I think there's a lot of, there's just a lot of pickle seeds about like the way you think your life should go and the way that other people tell you it should be going, that you, that, that, that the, the Holy Grail is still a, a stable you know, good job. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and that, and that, and that, that job, the stable job making a hundred thousand is better than taking the chance at traveling the world for six months, going to a, going to Maine and working on a farm for a year, not making anything right. If you do that, you're giving up this career. Think about the career the, the career is the most important thing. The, the progression of your advancement of your professional self is a huge pickle seed. People carry that around. That's that's the whole point of this, right? Is like advance ourselves professionally, right? But it's all dictated by the company and by what other people perceive you as being successful or not. So 
Um, I think everyone carries around a lot of, of those types of what they think they need to be doing. Totally. It's so hard for us to pull our, you know, we become so myopic about our lives. And so it's hard for us to like, I think, step back and look at everything on a bigger view to realize like the things you're thinking right now and seeing right now, like you're embedded in your culture. And so like even understanding what thoughts are yours and what are culturally driven is actually really difficult and takes a lot of inner work to start sorting out all of those presumptions that that people are living out but oh god yeah that's a life's work right there totally (laughs) yeah yeah they do right um yeah changing the aperture on that consciousness is really important for that um and i think that's actually you know i didn't see the interview going in this direction but i think that's actually the most i think that's the impulse to reach for psychedelics now in our society is that people are becoming aware that all of their presumptions are making them miserable, but they actually don't know what to replace them with or what else life could look like. And so I think that the reason that that one of the reasons that that's sort of making itself known in such a big way in our culture now is because people are craving to, it's like, we know that there's more out there, but we just don't know what that means. 100%, man. Yeah. And I I mentioned in the book real quick, where it's like, it's our humanity that we're looking for. You know, I don't think it's a coincidence that with the rise in technology, the rise in more isolated living conditions, even before COVID, but now especially with COVID, right? there's no, it's no surprise that people are looking for yoga, mindfulness, psychedelic meditations, ayahuasca, in order to open up this portal to what they they everyone knows that there's like this other dimension of life and that we somehow got flattened in like this capitalistic you know barren landscape you know mm-hmm. <laughs> in a lot yeah. of ways materialism de- materialism it's very dehumanizing it's all materialistic fo- focused and everyone knows it doesn't satisfy anything but nobody the world doesn't give you a whole lot of other options sometimes of where to find the humanity and so I think a lot of times these other substances are a shortcut to remind you that it's still there. And then Mm. you can go like, you know, find the more stable ways of bringing it into your life. Right. Right. Totally. And that, that is like, I say this every time I talk about psychedelics in some way, but just realizing that like they can show you, right. They can show you things that are true. They can show you like other modes of existing in the world or other possibilities, but then the work is still yours, right? And I think one yeah. the the danger is people just keep going back looking for the like thinking that that's the work, and it's like no, the work is sitting with the bullshit you saw about yourself, you know, dude, a hundred percent, yeah, and actually changing it, and then also I think taking action because there's things I've seen through meditation or journaling or shrooms or whatever, and um, and a lot of times it shows you stuff that you're scared of and you don't want to do. And so Mm. I've caught myself going back to them, hoping to get a different answer than what I already know they're going to tell me because I'm scared to do what it told me already. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. And, um, that's a terrifying message when you're like, you shouldn't be here. (laughs) I don't know if if it was terrifying for you, but just the feeling of like, uh, yeah, you're, I don't know. Yeah. I, I guess I don't know how to put it, but there's something when like, you know, that you're like not there for the right reason. That's like pretty terrifying. Cause that can oh, go like south on the you. Trip, you mean? Yeah. At least yeah. for, for me, it, 
like that recognition of, um, I don't know, for me, I just remember like sort of like you, you really need time in between these things to integrate what you learned and like grapple with it and stuff. And I just remember I, there was one time where I went back to the well, like kind of quickly. And it, I just remember getting this message of like, just how unfortunate that you're like unwilling to be in your life right now, you know? Ooh. And it was just like, Oh God, it was just terrible feeling of like, uh, you're escaping and I'm not yeah. going to let you escape with this. I'm going to show you that, that you're doing it, you know? And it was like, Oh yeah. yeah, man, that's deep, man. Yeah. Especially for it to like communicate that to you while you're under the influence of it. Right. That'd be really heavy. Yeah. Right. I'm like, is this about to go dark? <laughs> you know? Um, <laughs> yeah, please no. Right, right. You already showed me. I don't need to be shown anymore. Please stop. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm curious, like, are there lessons in this book or like, what would you pull out for people? Like, I, you know, obviously you think that all of these ideas are important. That's why you put them in the book. I'm curious for, for just thinking about where the world's at today. Like, are there certain yeah. lessons you think that are, are real important that, that the listener should, should be aware of? Man. Yeah. I think, um, one focusing at the end of the book, I don't know if you've gotten there yet, but it's all on relationships. It's how to like build friendships better and stay in touch with people better. And, mm. you know, a lot of my book is very kind of heady for lack of a better word. And it's through stories and a little more abstract. And I wanted that chapter to be like a little more tactical on, on all of us. Um, Every study after study shows how relationships are the number one thing, you know, it's, it's above um, even like alcoholism and cigarette use and diet and everything. It's like the strength of your relationships will show you your longevity and your health and happiness. Um, not to say that you should just go, you know, smoke Marlboro Reds and a pack of Bud Light every night, but like relationships are so crucial. And especially after this year, a lot of them have slowly withered. And especially if you're more introvert leaning, I have a lot of friends that are more introverted include, and my fiance is and like a lot of times it's much harder now to like, to build it back up instead of before you might've been like at a maintenance friend, a, a maintenance level with a lot of friendships and social yeah. networks. Now you've got to like really work. Yeah. Now we're all like, and I feel it in my social network too. Like now we're all working to like build it back up to where it was. And um, I think that's the most pivotal point, especially right now with the world is like, to not let a lot of those relationships you actually care about slip away just because it's easier to let them slip away. And, um, you know, it's super easy for people to slip away. It's also really fucking easy to send a text message. It's really <laughs> yeah. easy to call someone once, you know, but even to start with a text message, Hey, how are you? I've been thinking about you, you know, those little things like that. I think, you know, there, there's so many different things of like how to improve your life and self-development and all the stuff that I'm into, but like, God damn, at the end of the day, like sending a text to a couple people that you actually give a shit about once a week, that makes life worth living, you know? And I think it's something we all can do better at or just, it's important now more than ever for everybody. Yeah. Yeah, man. I really feel that. I think, yeah, was it the blue zone study? They were looking at like longevity of life, like relationships was actually one of the things on par with the way that you eat. Right. That yeah, determines exactly. how long you live. Yeah. Yeah. That sense of community. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So important. Yeah. Uh, something that I started doing a, a little while back is on Fridays, I will send, I like kind of go through my phone book and just send people like a 30 second or 45 second video of me just telling them like, what's up? I miss you. And this is what you are in my life. 
Uh, and it's actually really beneficial to like strengthen relationships because yeah, like you said, the state of the world today is just this isolation is like creeping in. And I think it's affecting us in ways that we're not necessarily conscious of. Totally, man. Um, so you do, so you send, uh, how many, how many every Friday do you do? Well, I, I'll just do like between two and five or I don't know. It depends if I'm particularly happy. Maybe I'll send like eight or something, but yeah, like send it to clients. I'll send it to friends that I haven't seen in a while and be like, Hey, I just want you to know, like, I haven't talked to you in a while, but you're super important in my life. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think just like, like you said, you know, it's like you, there's all this stuff out there about growth work and personal development. And also at the end of the day, like, think what we actually are just craving is like being human, like fully awake and, you know, engaged and present in our lives and relationships are so pivotal to that. Yeah, man. And we all can look back at the, some of the happiest moments we've ever had. It's not by yourself mm. on watching Netflix. Most of the time. <laughs> right. I enjoy that, right? Like, yeah, and we all enjoy that. That's fine. But like when you're a kid, what are some of the funnest times? If you went to summer camp, if you were on a soccer team, whatever you did, Boy Scouts or Girl Scouts, like if it's like being a part of something and being a part of a community, a lot of times you're outdoors, you're doing something active. Like that is literally the blueprint for having a somewhat like a happy life as a human being, like you're talking about, is like, are you outdoors? Are you with like a tribe and community? Are you doing something that makes you feel useful and with some type of purpose? Mm-hmm. You know? And that's and it. To your, that's why sports to your- are so addictive. Right, right. And to your point of rewriting the rules, right? Like, so you, I think one way about one way you can go about your life is really thinking about, okay, so what are the non negotiables because of the kind of creature that I am, which is what Mm -hmm. we're talking about right now. But then the rest is actually up to you. And that's what's important. Like we tend to think like you're saying, great, let me put my identity in this job. And then I'll look like I'm successful to other people. And then that's what success is. And at the end of the day, it's like, actually, you have some non-negotiables for like well-being, happiness, contentment. And if you can meet those, the rest of your life can look. And I think that's why we're starting to get like people are doing the van life thing a lot more. Like people are just like really rejecting the past, I think, in really extreme ways now. Oh, dude, I mean, the past year exposed the cracks in the whole system, you know, it exposed everything. Yeah, that's exactly and, right. Yeah. And there's no, I don't think there's any, there's no turning back at this point. And yeah, you make a really good point, man. Like the separation between like biology and society, like, yes, there's things as a human that you need, blah, 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 good food, some exercise, hang out with cool people. But then like we were talking about at the beginning, the rest of it's fucking made up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. We're just completely made up. And the biggest hindrance that we will all have, and I continually have, I'm sure you do, um, maybe not after ayahuasca so recently, but, you know, just like in general, we're all just going to have our perception and like our identity. Our identity is going to be tied to whatever you're doing. Even right now, now it's like my identity is, I wrote this book, right? Like my identity is that I don't have a nine to five and I don't want to have a nine to five, right? Mm -hmm. Well, then I think sometimes to myself, well, what if a really good nine to five came around, like a really good opportunity? Would I not take it just because I'm known as the guy who wrote Rewrite the Rules and now it's my identity and now mm-hmm. I'm like going against that, you know? When um, at the end of the day, first of all, nobody fucking cares. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> nobody really cares what I do, um, except for me. And like, it's all made up. It's all, you can take it as like, oh, I'm going to try this out as a new adventure. I'm going to, my identity is that I, 
am okay trying new things. Boom. Now you're cool with trying that new thing. It's also wrapped up in like who we perceive that we think we are and how we want other people to see us within this Fugazi, you know, like mm -hmm. I saw Wolf of Wall Street the other night again. It's like, you know, it's a Fugazi. It's a Fugazi. <laughs> it's not fucking real. You know, Matthew <laughs> yeah. McConaughey, that part. Uh -huh. Yeah. yeah. It's like that's bad, man. The rest of it's just, it's made up and you can just, once you realize that, like, like we saw this year, things crumble, things are, there's cracks everywhere and this shit could turn to dust tomorrow anyway. So like, as long as you're not being totally stupid about it, you might as well take the chance and might as well see what it can look it. like. Right. See what it can look like. Yeah. Yeah. There was a part in the book that really resonated with me, which you talked about the idea of like being a contrarian for contrarian sake. And then uh, I actually talked about a very similar idea in my book, but just the idea that you can like really become a slave to the ideal or to not wanting the ideal. Yeah. The rebellious person like can become a slave to, to their ideals that are, pushing away the ideals that are accepted by the masses. Right. Totally, man. Yeah. It's like, it's like the rebel. It's, it's kind of like a rebel without a cause, you know, it's kind of just, I'm rebelling because I'm, I want to rebel against the system. Right. You're following this. You're following other people's guidelines for how you're going to live your life. Still. If totally, whether you're in a house with a picket fence, cause everyone says you should be, or you're living under a bridge on their motorcycle because that's doing the opposite of what you should do. Yeah. You're still not doing it because that's what you really want to go pursue and what feels, you know, like purposeful to you. Right. You know? Right. Um, that's so hard for, for me to do too, a lot still, you know? Yeah. Cause you have your natural disposition. And I think part of what I got out of the book and of course, right. You say a message, then I chop it through my childhood. And then I say, this is what it meant to me. <laughs> you know, and that's how it always happens with authors. Um, but it seemed like part of it is, it seems like part of your message is really trying to understand your natural disposition and then asking yourself, great. So where's that funneling me into an inauthentic existence? Yeah. Yeah, exactly, man. Yeah. Because we all we do have all like base personality traits that are going to dictate how totally. diverse you are. How and I was literally was doing premarital counseling with my fiance before this, like I told you, and we were talking about the differences in our like risk tolerance mm. between us two, you know. And everyone has from their childhood and their personality different risk tolerances. So it's not like about it's not about quitting your nine to five and living in a van. You know what I mean? Like that's not what the book's about. That's not what like any of the stuff that you do is really about, right? It's about like, it's about trying the new sandwich at, at the sandwich shop that just opened. You know what I mean? Like, it's about, we always go to Orlando. Let's go to Miami. It's about little tiny things. I'm going to take this different street on my run this morning. Cause I've never been back this way. I haven't, I've never seen that park before. Let's go check that out. It's just these little tiny, little tiny risks and little tiny chances and little tiny new opportunities that, you have the little tiny, tiny bit of courage to just go, I'm going to say hi to that person. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to send a message on a Friday to my friends. You know, I'm going to put myself out there just a little bit and try something new and see where it leads. It doesn't have to be a life upheaval to do that a lot of times, you know? Right. Definitely. And, and just like you're talking or taking the new route, right? There's so much of our lives that are on autopilot that are unconscious. And so taking that new route, like, the actual downstream effect of that right if you actually start like using your your mind in new ways that's the that's the beauty of being open in the first place is like it'll actually it'll actually foster creative potential in your ability to think 
Totally, yeah. And like you can literally almost feel the new neural pathways coming in as you just take a different road on your walk in the morning. Right, you know? right. Yeah. Well, I've so, never seen this house before. Right, right. So because yeah, last thing on that, because there's so much of your life that like you won't remember because you're unconscious like every drive to work like for 12 years for me i don't remember any of them you know because i don't need to and and so like just switching it up a little bit can be a massive catalyst yeah because yeah your brain is a energy you know it wants to be as efficient as possible so right you know why would it remember the things that it can just streamline you know once right. you give it new information, that's when it's forced to have to remember it because it has to pay attention, you know? Right, right, right. So for people, before we get into the final question, for people listening to this, one, where can they grab the book? And two, how can they follow along with what you're up to? Yeah, the book, if you want to read or listen to the first chapter, you can get it at rewritetherulesofthebook.com. Um, and then it's also available on Amazon. Uh, it's up there, audiobook, Kindle, paperback, all that stuff. Um, I'm, I try and stay off a lot of social media stuff, but I'm on Instagram. I got Instagram's the most, my most used one. It's Alex H star is where people can find me. Yeah. Okay. Dope. And I'll, I'll link from you to read the book. Yeah. 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 And I'll link both of those up in the show notes of this episode for those of you that are driving. So final question, and I should have preloaded you this, but I didn't. Um, so if it takes you Even a bit better. to answer, uh, so if you could have morning coffee with anybody in the world, dead or alive, uh, who would it be? And also, what would you want to talk about? Mm, damn, dude. One person. You're killing me. Um, Man, that is such a hard one. There's so many like historical, th- I'm like Muir and Thoreau and Edward Abbey and like, but if I have to choose one, ah, man, this is hard. All right, I'm going to go with somebody alive right now. And just because I've been watching a lot of his videos lately, I, would re- I thought about how much I'd love to chat with him. It would be Russell Brand. Oh, I've been watching a lot of Russell Brand lately too. Interesting. Yeah, man, right? Yeah, he is. Uh, he speaks the way I wish I spoke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not even just with the accent, just like the words he uses is like, like you were talking about earlier, you know, how it's like you have all these thoughts in your head. And then by the time you write them down, it's like, oh man, they were so much smarter in my head. But I feel like he still speaks the way that I was thinking and I thought it was going to sound. <laughs> yeah, but he actually yeah. is saying that stuff. Yeah. Like, right. That's exactly what I was trying to think in my head. But anyway, he's so poignant and uh, I really like the way that his brain works. So I would love to talk to him and I would just love to chat with him about society and power structures. And yeah. I'm sure you could go stuff. long on that. Yeah. 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 He's, yeah, he's, man, he is so interesting. Well, Alex, I really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks for joining me and thanks for sharing your journey and the, the process with, with my audience. Dude, thanks for having me, man. Yeah, it was awesome. And uh, I, I really respect too how, you know, when I first reached out, it was like, hey, man, I'm, I'm like super, you know, protective of my podcast and just kind of guests and stuff. And like, yeah, man, cool. And uh, so this felt very like, um, it felt very like organic and kind of natural to get to this place where we're finally talking. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. Cool. Oh, I, yeah, appreciate no, I appreciate it. I appreciate you having me on, man. It was really cool. Mm-hmm.